Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You're listening to Nerdite Recap's Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I am Greta Johnson, and we are joined by Peter Sagal. It's so nice to be back with you all. Right? Right. Oh I know. have fresh television to talk about. I know. Lord knows. We've had nothing. In fact, what have we even had to talk about in Very the last little. two years? Very little silence. indeed turns out. I've spent out. the last two years in silence because there was no TV show well, to talk about. Well, that's hard. You could have been <laughs> part of Euron's fleet. I could have been. A mute. Yeah, what? We'll get to that. But what? Okay, okay, okay. What? So, today we are rehashing. Season 8, Episode 1 of Game of Thrones. This episode was called Winterfell. And weirdly, for the first time ever, we all watched this together last night. It was very easy event. Although not two together, because that no. would have been too weird. No, we were in a theater, and we, all, we were all in very separate places in the movie theater. Yeah. But we would very much like to thank HBO for helping make that screening possible that we did last night at the Music Box. If you were there, that is awesome. If you weren't, that's totally cool, too. We'll actually play some audio of that later on in the episode. But for now... Oh my gosh! Winterfell, oh my gosh! Right, Winterfell, and I will say that it's if you ever have a chance to watch a TV show such as this with five hundred fellow nerds. Oh my gosh! It's fun. It is. Delightful. I was doubtful because I'm so used to watching it by myself, clutching yes. a pillow. Yes, but it was really fun. I was a little nervous without closed captions, to be honest, but I thought it worked out just fine. It did. I liked that. There was a lot of aggressive shushing. Yes. Oh. As well as. <laughs> Nerds will not uh-uh. stand for that nonsense. My favorite thing about shushing is the just like the imperviousness to the logic that the shushing is louder than whatever noise somebody originally made. But they can't help themselves. They shush anyway. Shush, shush. Well, how do you, you got to stop it somehow, you know? Yeah. Also, just the cheering that happened every time we saw a character yes. we really like, love. Oh, wow, it's Jamie Lannister. We're like, yay. <laughs> we, we pretty were sure he's going to be coming back. I did notice there were no cheers for Bran, which I thought was pretty Aww. hilarious. Well, there were moments where it was like, yay, Tormund. Also, Beric. Do we care about Beric? Yeah, like, there was like a yes, quiet, absolutely. awkward half know. Yeah, Beric, because you don't want him to be hurt. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, like, like, it's not like, no, it's not Beric. like theater. <laughs> the actor doesn't know. Right, right. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> But we were at the beautiful Music Box Theater here in Chicago. Thanks also to them for giving us a space to bring all those nerds together, some of whom were in costume, which was pretty delightful to see. It's worth noting, Trisha was in her George R.R. Martin costume, and 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 it was amazing. It looked freakishly (laughs) realistic. Did you know that I I was talking to the the very nice woman from HBO, from the PR department. She actually flew to Chicago with, I'm told, a hard drive with the episode like the nuclear football, yeah. I like they wouldn't just like send us a link that there was a briefcase and like handcuffs, yes, and yeah. a whole thing. I'm not sure about the handcuffs. I cannot confirm that, but it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Either way. Do you feel good about this institutional support we've been getting from HBO, or just like, wait a minute, are we not being subversive <laughs> enough? If they like us, perhaps we should be meaner to the show. I don't know. I was just impressed that they made it snow in Chicago. Oh, yes. Pretty. It was quite the, yep. quite the promotion. April yeah. 14th, snow in Chicago. Yeah, I understand in L.A. for the premiere out there, they went a whole hog and raised a bunch of dead people. Uh, <laughs> good one, Peter. <laughs> okay, so we Remember should probably... I said I missed you? I don't know. Now, I'm ambivalent. It's the first time you didn't know anything. Um, okay, so we should start with the opening sequence, right? Because right. New credits. New credits. That is wild. I was wondering if this was probably sort of a reason, like, I think there are two reasons for this. One, 
most of the locations that we spent time zooming between in the opening credits are gone from the show, basically, and right. don't matter anymore. Nobody no more who Dorn, care about is there. No more other places. So we went deep into Winterfell and into King's Landing and saw a lot of things up close. They were really beautiful and cool. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they are a sign of things to come. Yeah, for example, I mean, only because you've continued to freak me out, Trisha, with your prediction that yeah. the dead and the crypts will rise. I mean, why do they have to go down to the crypts in Winterfell? Is it just they wanted to take us to the locales that we've seen so that we know, oh, yes, here's the crypt. You've been in the crypt. Here's the Great Hall. We've been in the Great Hall. Here over in uh, in the Red Keep is the, the crypt with the dragon skull. And look, here's even the, the scorpion. They used to shoot it, just Mm -hmm. so you know where we are. Mm -hmm. Or were they indicating things to come? I think the kings of winter are going to rise from the dead. So they're just like, hey, here's where all the shit's going to go down, y'all. Get ready. The the thing I became obsessed with was the new sort of enameled embossments. I don't know what you call them. On the bands. I don't think embossments. No, that's not right. The little sculptures or whatever, the bas-relief on the bands. Oh, there you go. Because... all prior seven seasons, they have depicted the story of Robert's Rebellion, which happened before the first episode of the first season. And that, you know, the stag fighting the dragon, the stag triumphant, the other animals bowing down to the mm-hmm, stag, mm-hmm. all changed. And I, in a kind of, I would go so far as to say Trisha-like way, <laughs> watched it online and froze it and tried to figure out what the new sort of little sculptures show. And the first one seems to be the dragon destroying the wall. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there seemed to be a reference. The second one is like a reference to the Red Wedding, I think. There's a lion holding up a head of a wolf that's been decapitated. And then the last one. Or that could just be representing Ned Stark getting killed. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Oh, yeah, that's or, very true. Uh, or the last, the last one seems to be there's a bunch of dragons. Uh, somebody said there's th- three small dragons and one big dragon and a comet. Which we remember from season two, the Red Comet. Yes. So I don't know what's going on with all that, but they decided to spend some time and effort changing that up for us. Very exciting. Peter, we are just a couple minutes into this recap so far, but you haven't claimed complained once. No. Well, I'm so happy. And neither have I. It's weird. That is both weird. As we all know, one of the things that makes our recap podcast stand out is that one of our hosts, (laughs) Greta, does not like... (laughs) Gretchen? Gretchen. Almost did it again. Uh. That Greta does not like the show. So it was very interesting for me to see Greta right after the viewing, <laughs> and she was very happy and like excited well, and freaked out. I mean, I was also just scared shitless by oh. that final scene with that fire and the terrifying child coming to life and yeah. the screaming and the like. That was insane in a movie. That was pretty scary. Watch. Yeah, that was very scary. Yeah, so it was. It was, was also, if I'm not mistaken, the only moment of like physical action. In an action-driven show. Yeah. Well, I think that was one really interesting thing about those opening scenes as well is that there was very little dialogue. And there were a couple of moments throughout the episode where, you know, like also at Eastwatch when they're walking down the corridors trying to figure out what's next, there was no talking no, that was, uh, because there was enough ooh, propelling. Yeah. My, my first correction of the day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Eastwatch. It was Last Hearth. Oh, Indeed. thank you very much. Should we play, play a jingle for that or is it just? No, he's correct. He's, thank you. And okay, I was okay. going to have to correct you if he didn't. Okay. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, thank you, Trish. Oh, wow. Okay, so my one (laughs) criticism of those early scenes was that I am worried that the Unsullied are too cold. They are not wearing sufficient Again, we return to your consistent theme of sufficient outerwear for the cold. Well, I'm just, like, they're from... The South. I did notice. I was thinking that myself. They They seem to have gotten somewhere along the way long sleeves and pants to wear under their armor. I think I they used just, to be short I'm sleeves. I'm really worried about them. It's funny. You were watching that and because they have these CGI shots of all the all the Unsullied and mm-hmm. their nice little yep. thing. I worry about two things. Uh, where and when do they go to the bathroom? 
Oh, yeah. And where and when do they sleep? Because yeah. you never see that. Well, they were. there are a bunch of little tents outside Winterfell, which looks super miserable. Not enough. Ooh, That's yeah. true. I mean, and this was one of those moments, actually, where you realize, oh, Sansa maybe is a good leader of people. Yeah. Is her biggest concern was, listen, I did the math and got the food and grain and whatever together to feed our people and everybody I thought was coming. And now you bring over all these other people, Brother John. And what does a dragon eat anyway? That was a good line. Yeah, that was good. Well, and so much Sansa side eye. I loved it. She is good at the side eye. Right? Yeah. There, w- w- there wasn't a lot of conflict in this episode either, which is, again... So many reunions. Yeah, Not much conflict yet. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably why I liked it so much. It, it defi- was heartwarming. It definitely had the whole episode, the feeling of an intake of breath. Like, uh-huh. here we go. Yep. And uh, Glenn Weldon, who does a recap, a very funny one for NPR. He's the official NPR recapper. I am the pirate NPR recapper. <laughs> the unauthorized NPR recapper. You're the recapper. Joy of NPR recapping. He made a point. He, he was talking about something that we talked about afterwards, which is like the, everybody found out everything right away. Yes. There was, it, you know, they saved the last one, the biggest one, John is the true king, to the very end. But like right at the, right at the top. Brand's like, hey, everybody, the ice dragon has knocked down the wall. The dead are coming. We actually have audio of that. Let's listen to it. Thank you for inviting us into your home, Lady Stark. The North is as beautiful as your brother claimed. As are you. Winterfell is yours, your grace. We don't have time for all this. The Night King has your dragon. He's one of them now. The wall has fallen. The dead march south. First, you couldn't, of course, see it, but that long pause after "As Are You" from Daenerys was a Sansa just just dripping with vague contempt. But I mean, that's what I mean. So they finished last episode, last season with the fall of the wall, and I kind of expected there'd be this amazing revelatory scene. It's like, oh my god, the wall's down. Nope, mm-hmm. Brand's like, wall's down, dead are coming. Yep, we don't have time for this. We don't have time for this. Yeah, yeah I ain't loved nobody it. got time for this. I loved Although... it as a level set for the course of the next six episodes because that's also. Like, we don't have much time in the course of this series either, right? And so it almost felt like sort of a meta, like, we, we, y'all, we don't yeah. have time. We other, have to keep moving. Other things. Uh, Cersei's not coming. Yeah. Okay. Sansa and yet another moment of Tyrion being dumb, which I guess will never end now. He will be dumb <laughs> till we all die. Says <laughs> His she's redemption not arc has to be cleverness. I hope. Everybody else's has, like, Theon will come and die in battle. Jaime will probably die in battle. Yeah, in a lot way. of them are sacrificing Tyrion's themselves. strength has always been his wits. And so if he has a redemptive arc, it has to be figuring I out something so. that nobody else has figured out. And in fact, it's Sansa doesn't know. Sansa says to him, I remember when I thought you were the cleverest man in the world. We, we do have a little bit of audio from their conversation, too, that I liked that I thought we should listen to to reminisce lady of winterfell has a nice ring to it so does hand of the queen depending on the queen i suppose so sassy so sassy <laughs> last time we spoke was at joffrey's wedding miserable affair it had its moments again so good yes by the way it was also fun to watch it with a big crowd because all of those laugh lines got huge laughs Apologies for leaving like that. Yes, it was a bit hard to explain why my wife fled moments after the king's murder. We both survived. Many underestimated you. Most of them are dead now. I just loved that line. That is a good line. And it, it, it is amazing 
because I went back and uh, as I was saying you guys before, I went back and watched episode one, season one, because there were so many echoes of that. Mm -hmm. The showrunners talked about it in the after, after, you know, inside the episode thing. And so, yes, there are all these echoes. There's, you know, that little boy is an echo. Little boy who comes down to watch the Unsullied is an echo of what Arya did in episode one. She ran down to see the king showing up. But it's amazing to see those actors 10 years ago, especially the young woman, Sansa and Arya. And you realize that when this began, not only the actress um, who plays Sansa, Sophie Turner. Turner, but the character were like children. Yeah. When we met Sansa, she was a child. Mm -hmm. And in contrast to Arya, who has been essentially the same person, even though you know she's continued on. She was always, she was always a badass. Mm -hmm. Now she's a trained and somewhat psychopathic badass. <laughs> but Sansa has gone through such an astonishing transformation yeah. that I am willing to concede is entirely justified. You know, they didn't pull that on anywhere. She's been through hell and she shows it. And she's gotten something out of it, growth, maturity, wisdom. There was also the moment between the spider – Davos and Tyrion that I really loved because it reminded you that yes they have aged but they are still basically children like we're talking yes. about people who in a modern American culture none of whom would be old enough to rent a car right and they're all <laughs> running the show now and you've got these older guys standing around sort of going like and I love it harkened back for me to the the Davos line of, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea, but what do I know? I just lived to a ripe old age over here. <laughs> Nobody listened to me. <laughs> and I do think it's interesting to see this sort of, uh, you know, in the point of view of the characters who are now leading, they're like, yes, I am the king and I am the queen and we are all in charge. And for somebody like Davos, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yep. got a bunch of babies wearing fancy clothes, calling themselves kings and queens. This is going to go great. Let's listen to it. I sense that you're leading to a proposal. A proposal is what I'm proposing. On the off chance that we survive the Night King, what if the Seven Kingdoms, for once in their whole shit history, were ruled by a just woman and an honorable man? What if? And as I said last night, the fact that he raised that as a prospect, is almost guaranteed it is not going to happen. We're doomed. They're doomed. Somebody's doomed. Um, probably maybe one or the two or both of John or Danny. But it's interesting because uh, I, I want to bring up Graham Walden's point because I thought it was so smart. Glenn. Glenn. Did I, what did I say? <laughs> Graham. Graham. <laughs> Glenn Walden's point. Uh Everything that we had talked about going into this season, are they going to hook up? Are they going to get – are they together or whatever? Mm -hmm. It all got taken care of. Yes. I know. Yes. That's and, what I was really excited and about too. Instantly. And Glenn Weldon's point finally was it's almost as if they took care of everything that we know. They sort of checked, yep. Yep. checked off. Yes, yep. the Night King is coming. Yes, Cersei is not. Yes, they're going to hook up. People are talking about them getting married. Yes, he knows he's the king. Everything. Bing, so, bang, boom. Bing, bang, boom. Bing, bang, boom. So yeah. that we can now in the next five episodes, the last five episodes, move on to stuff we don't know. Because we're running out of time, because as Bran it's, said. They, it's almost as if they said, we are not going to ask you to be interested in anything old. Well, that's what I – I mean, I'm very excited about that because I think the pacing in this episode was so excellent because so many boxes yeah. got checked yeah. that now we can move forward with like accomplishing new elements of this really interesting storyline and seeing how this stuff plays and, out. And you can contrast it to the pacing of the entirety of last season yes. where everything took so well, long to establish. Well, and I mean season seven still comparatively – was a lot faster than this those show early seasons. Used to you have know? fifteen minute scenes where somebody was just, just riding a horse. Yeah, man. 
That's so true. For John to say you've ruined horses for I mean, me, it's I, like, oh, this is a whole new freaking show. They used, yeah, they used to. I remember, yeah, back in like the midst of seasons three and four, and yeah. they, they had to like cut every like thirty seconds to a new location where we get like one dial, one line of dialogue before they had to move someplace else. So yeah. you're right, everything's different now. Well, and how delightful was the reunion scene between John and Arya? Really delightful. Comparing swords. The sword show and tell I did think was a little strange, but I guess if that's how they bond, then we should just let them enjoy their love language. (laughs) And and, and another great laugh line, you know, where she she says, I still have needle. Oh, have you ever used it? Uh Once or twice. Maybe just a little. Just a little bit. So should we go to King's Landing next? I think we should. Why not? Uh, Cersei is mad about elephants. Well, wait a minute. Before we get, oh, maybe, no. Talk to me about Cersei and elephants. Cersei's mad there's no elephants. Yes. And it, like it came up several different times and I just thought it was hilarious. I was not expecting any reference to elephants throughout the entire series. I, I thought of, of I Thrones. thought of Samwise Gamgee saying, I want to see the elephants. <laughs> Mr. Frodo, look, elephants. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> what did Cersei say exactly? I was told there would be elephants or like, I wanted those elephants. It was perfect. It was great. Um, Euron is still disturbingly hot. So what do you got? You guys are like into Euron? I mean, I don't want to. Let's. And Trisha just shakes her head. No. no. I, I don't like idiot. that I find him attractive. Yeah. We can unpack this in a different venue, Greta. <laughs> yeah. You're attractive. You're, you being attracted to a yeah. Euron character. Yeah. Well, no, it's not his character at all. It is merely the way he looks. Really? The clear. eyeliner? It's not, it's, he, I he's, just think he's looking he's good these emo. days. It's very upsetting. I don't really want to, I shouldn't have brought it up. I, I, I found myself not caring so much about his appearance, but I, I, uh, I, I kind of liked him more because he was less, as Miles Narbros put it last year, the campy villain and more like an interesting, colorful character. Uh, as Cersei says to him, you're the most arrogant man I've ever met. I kind of like that. And I realized I kind of do, too. <laughs> I did think it was interesting that you that the they didn't actually show any affection between them. You know, like they implied that those two banged it out. But oh, there was no was strong like, implication touching or kissing yeah. or you know what I mean? Like there's because no the, romance. to Yeah, it there all. was no romance. There was also sort of a, a hilarious and delightful lack of romance in bronze. Uh See yes. with the three women. Before we get there, though, I do you think Cersei is pregnant? Because I was so watching her to see if she drank the wine, and I don't think she ever drank uh, the wine. She held the wine up to her lips. She almost drank the wine. And then, of course, he says, I'm going to put a prince in your belly, mm-hmm. which is a lovely thing to That's say. gross. And is she still, in some ways doing what she's doing with Euron because she still needs a cover story for it not being Jamie's child. Right. That's what I was wondering, too, is maybe it's convenient for her to sleep with him because she can tell Euron that it is his baby, even if it's I, actually Jamie. So there's that moment in the in the, in the the throne room where Euron says, hey, here I am. I brought you back. You're mercenaries. I've done all this other stuff for you. When are we going to hook up? Yeah. And she's like, never. And she walks away and he's like, well, wait a minute. What do I got to do? I did all these things for you. And she turns back and says, all right, more or less. So did she do that because she's like, oh, this guy's kind of hot and I could use a roll in the hay? Or did she do it because this guy wants something and unless he gets a taste of it, he is not going to be such a loyal servant to me. So I better, like, if you would excuse the expression, throw him a bone. Ayo. Yeah, it was politics. I think so because Harry Strickland was also pretty good looking in that scene standing next to your yeah. own. And she even was like mildly, she was very welcoming to him. And then he walked away. And then she and Euron had that conversation. So if it were a matter of just like getting some, 
Right. You know, I think this is all strategy from her part. Uh, can it's I, I'm, be. Uh, this is a minor complaint, which is kind of out of character for me. In the, in the 10 years, <laughs> the, the, not the complaining, the specific nature of the complaint. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. In the 10 years that the show has been on the air, there's been a tremendous amount of change in culture and television, most, mostly to the good. And I've become increasingly aware of how incredibly white this show is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. it always has That's been. It's not a minor complaint at it's all. It's not I a minor think. complaint. Yeah. And but you know that's sort of the deal. It's it's about an entire universe where people are the races they are. People care about it. It's fine. But Harry Strickland was would have been a great opportunity to cast an actor of color. Yeah. There's no reason Harry Strickland has to be yet another handsome British actor. Yeah. And I wish they had done that. Maybe there's a reason. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer though, for yeah. sure. Anyway, uh, Braun. Braun, who Braun. we know and love, and who is. Besties, in some ways, with the Lannister brothers, is now being sent to kill them. We, he's not going to do that. No. Yeah, that was. Although I was, was int- curious what you guys thought of that. Uh, well, first of all, and again, I have to credit my friend Jess for pointing this out. He, remember, the scene is like he's getting to bed with his three lady friends, and all they can do is talk about, oh, well, did you hear about the dragon attack? Did you hear about what happened to William? Uh-huh. He's dead. That one uh-huh. guy came back. He's got his face. It was. It was if there was. A, Sex position yes. that got in the way of the sex, and he's like, "Why are you guys talking yep. instead of having sex?" Yep. And it was and it, just saying really gruesome things like he has no eyelids anymore yes. or something. Uh-huh. I think it was. <laughs> and, and it's like finally one of the characters in the show experiences the frustration of sex position. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty delightful yeah. too. Cersei wanting the deed done with the crossbow that Tyrion used to kill Tywin, which is a very Cersei justice. thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What so, does Ron say? This fucking family. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> So yeah, he, what's he going to do? I don't, well, you know, bronze, one of Bronn's most famous lines is uh, way back when, when Tyrion, after, you know, Tyrion has found out that all the bastard babies have been killed, turns to Bronn and says, would you kill an infant? And, uh, and he says, it depends how much you're paying me. Yeah. So that's his whole thing. He, he's a sellsword who will, so we'll see. Is his arc going to be back toward his baseline villainy, which you've never minded because he's so charming? Or is he going to finally, like sacrifice something also as he reminded the ladies he was trying to get interested in him who were not he is the one who shot the dragon like he's the only one who has besides you know the night king yes shot a dragon (laughs) successfully it does mean it does whatever happens between them it's unlikely that it will end with all three of them Tyrion, jamie and bronn shaking and embracing and you know, freeze frame roll credits as they laugh. It's not yes. going to. I think yeah. We just needed a reason for Braun to get to Stark Party Central. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah. he's going to show up and we're all going to be like, oh, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? When is he going to do it? He's not going to do it. Yeah. I would like to think that they spent so much time establishing him as a guy who would do anything if he were paid enough. Yes. So that we can be pleasantly surprised. And also really wants that. a castle. I mean, that's his whole thing. He was complaining right, to Jamie right. after the battle at Highgarden. He was just constantly complaining about when is he going to get his castle. So here you are. Here's your castle. All you got to do is kill your besties. So next I think we should talk about the Greyjoys, but we actually skipped something that I wanted to ask you two about, which was the moment of, with John and Arya reuniting yes. and talking to each other after Sword Show and Tell. Mm-hmm. Arya knows that John was stabbed in the heart. How does she know that? I actually wondered the same thing. Um, 
I mean, I, is it is it just general knowledge? Oh, do you know, by the way, that Jon Snow was stabbed in the heart? I thought not, because it seemed like he was kind of trying to keep that on the down low. Well, we remember that with Daenerys. We didn't want to tell Daenerys, right, but maybe right. like everybody. I, yeah, I was wondering or the same like thing. Or is like Bran gossiping to the other Stark children about it, it, what Jon's been The three-eyed raven doesn't gossip. Be informed. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> does your does your weird sympathy for the White Walkers also extend to Bran? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's all the weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it, uh, it may be just a general rule from now out from now on that because of Bran, we can just assume that every character has seen the prior seven seasons of yeah. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Like maybe that's what they've been doing for the last two years. They've all been binge watching. So I guess at this point, maybe it's safe to assume that nobody doesn't know all the stuff that we know. What which a is convenient great. seasonal reset. Yeah. But that's really great for us because it means oh, yeah. instead of spending all of this time, people just getting caught up on the things we know, as right. we were saying earlier, now we can find out what the Night King wants. Yeah. Right. Well, now which we can the, find out. Which is, of course, the overriding yeah. question. Of course. Yeah. All right. More recaps in just a second. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, so Greyjoys, we actually, we did like a pre-episode discussion at the Music Box, and I was talking about how the Greyjoys was like my least favorite storyline, and I wouldn't be sad at all if it just sort of like fell off a cliff and we just never heard from any of them again. almost listened to you. Well, yeah, they tied that up beautifully. I was I, delighted by I was the way so that turned su- out. I, I was surprised that, A, we got to that in episode one, yes. as opposed to some sort of quest of Theon. Yeah, that would normally be episode seven or something. B, that it happened so quickly. So I'll walk on, shoot a guy with some arrows. There doesn't seem to be any guards or anybody who's paying any attention at all. There doesn't seem to be any obstacle for them to getting off the ship after they've killed eight or nine guys on the deck. And then they end up on their own three ships mm-hmm. safely far away. Where do the ships come from? Fair question. Why weren't they cha- – I mean it's just like, again, the showrunner saying, that's over. Yep. Theon has Don't rescued her. It. Don't it's worry done. About it. She's going back to the Iron Islands. We may or may not see her again. Theon's going to Winterfell to join Stark Party Central. Done. Over. Move on. Bang, bang, boom. Exactly. <laughs> that's the efficiency I'm looking for in my television show at this point. Thank oh, you very I'm, much. I, and I did say earlier there was no physical you – no, know, like fighting or action. I'm wrong. The, uh, Theon did uh, – Kill a guy with an ass. That's true. A very gory shot. Yes, of the and then Yara slammed him so well. I loved that. That, <laughs> that was great. Button. And then reaching out with her hand. Don't that was characters really nice. do that all the time? I think we've seen it a few times in this show. I think uh, the, the old headbutt move. Yeah. Doesn't that hurt? Oh God, it's got to be excruciating. If you did that to somebody, you'd go, "Ow!" It hurts yeah. you as much as them. That, right? I would think so. Yeah, I would guess that as well. Anyway, um, John rides a dragon. Yes. And even though they didn't talk about it in the show, in the after the episode, inside the episode thing, uh, David and Dan Benioff Weiss said, yes, you see, he should know he's a Targaryen because the dragon lets him ride him. So that was clearly to Context clues for what is the conversation to come. Here is my big question for you two ladies. Mm -hmm. And I realize this, rewatching the episode, put aside all issues of plot, whether they need to get together, whether they will get together, whether they should get together. Do you just buy on a human level that those two characters actually like each other? 
I don't think their chemistry is very good. No, no. it really isn't. Yeah, I have a hard time believing it. But they're it. like the hot, dumb couple in high school where you're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course Which they end up because like, it's like it's basically like, it's like the quarterback and the, cheer- yeah, the cheerleader. Is that what you're saying? It's like they're simple enough that they satisfy each other's it, simple I mean, pleasures. It's, it's and as it's if fine. Like, the two cutest kids in the senior class have yeah, to find have each other. To That's how the world each works. Other and everybody's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. But but I mean, there was sni- they're, again, they're basically teenagers, and so it's not like they're thinking about anything other than. Like lust and power, but, but that's he, the thing, and they don't seem that lusty. Like there's yeah. no hot, hot heat right. between them. They're here's, not like drawn to each other magnetically. Right. And here's the thing: uh, they spent so much time, as we talked about in last season, not just saying, "Oh, they're going to hook up." They're going to fall in love. Yeah. They're going to have these interactions. They're going to go from mistrust to trust. They're going to rescue each other. Mm-hmm. They're going to sacrifice for each other. They're going to see each other's true nature and true virtues, and then they're going to fall in love. And that is the you know that's the the standard where we start from. And I just don't. Don't buy it. I look yeah. at those two actors, and I think about actors like uh, like Amelia Clark's relationship with Khal Drogo mm-hmm. and Kit Harrington with his actual wife Ygritte, playing Egret. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that to- I totally bought that. Mm-hmm. Even just the longing look sometimes that you're not even sure what they're all about between Brienne and Jamie. Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like, there is more. Right. Yeah. There is actual more genuine feeling in a single glance from Tormund Giantsbane at Brienne than the and anything's going on between them. Yeah. And I, I, there might have been more sexual tension between the dragon and John. Exactly. Than there was. And so these are two. <laughs> no, that was the like dog at the end of the bed. I know. These are two very talented actors who know what they're doing, and yet it just doesn't work. And I, uh, is it just me? Is it because I'm so aware of how much they want me to buy it? And I'm like, no, I don't buy it. Go away. I didn't think it was a problem, but I didn't also think that when I look back at other moments where it's unrequited love or you know whatever there's more chemistry on screen but also these are two people who've been through a lot and have a lot going on and i'm kind of glad that it's not trying to have like a little romeo and juliet like dumb subplot like they're both well one of them is a calculating political figure danny who's been through a lot you know her brother tried to kill her she was raped let's not forget that the caldrogo marriage yeah she like ended up in a sort of you know thinking she loved him but like that was an arranged marriage where the original sort of uh consummation was rape like she has been through enough to i don't think be a romantic person no i think well, though she was i mean i think that in season one they established that she ended up feeling very strongly for caldrogo my, my moon and stars she used to call him despite the problematic way in which their relationship yeah. began. yeah yeah um so well and i think there is still a little bit of that like uh fun romance like that whole scene with them on the dragons and ending up at the waterfall and making out there for a while like there was not much point of that beyond I mean you know getting John on the dragon proving the Targaryen heritage thing but beyond that like it was a little floofy fun sexy time for Game of Thrones yeah it was very silly you needed like a pop song a pop song in the soundtrack yeah like there was a little bit of like young love vibe happening and had Bran not established we do not have time for this exactly (laughs) what are you out riding your dragons around except to establish that he's they a were very close to the fist of the first men they could have at least picked up some dragon glass while they were there wait a minute yeah. were they yeah because that was <laughs> yeah i think so based on Go the on. canyon that they were going through like that's the the but th- the fist of the first men is beyond the wall so they would have had to fly over the wall yeah but why not because well, we would have seen them fly over the wall 
Oh, I guess that could be true. There's there's <laughs> we'll, a lot of discussion we'll on that. the internet that maybe that scene of the dragons in the canyon, like that, that what that river and that canyon was, was actually near the Fist of the First Men. And people mm. were hoping that that dragon trip would have a purpose other than make out time. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you know, sometimes but you just like got to make out by an Arctic waterfall. You it's know? true. If, if I could, I would. Exactly. Okay. So the foundry back at Winterfell yes. was our next scene. We had Gendry working with Dragonglass. Yeah. And uh, another reunion, which was fun to witness, was the Hound and Arya, which I think, do we have audio of that one? Oh, good. Leave him be. I heard you were here. You left me to die. First I robbed you. You're a cold little bitch, aren't you? Guess that's why you're still alive. And then he walks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's still an asshole. He's still an asshole. But we but still like him for We still reason. like him because we know and have always known that beneath that incredibly gruff exterior beats a, a, a human heart. We've seen this before. And you know that one of the things about the Hound is he's had this soft spot for the Stark girls, first yeah. Sansa and then Arya. And, and it, it, was, it was fun and, and, and almost affecting to watch him struggle, the actor, the character, with the fact that deep inside he'd probably want to leap across, pick her up and squeeze her. He was probably so happy to see her. <laughs> well, I did like that interaction just because – I mean he still called her a little bitch. But he also essentially said – I'm not going to seek revenge for the fact that you robbed he, me. He and left kind me for of dead, complimented right? her. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He's sort of like, all right, I yeah, see you're you. a badass. Yeah, you, you've, you've made the cool. grade. Yeah. Uh, if you can listening to this, and you can go back and you can watch scenes if you have like whatever the app and you need to do that. Check out <laughs> that uh, the cinematography in that scene. There are these two shots of the Hound where he's in shadow. Uh, half of his face is in shadow. It happens to be the burned half. I don't know if that was intentional. I guess it was. And he looks like you've never seen him before. He looks old. He looks weary. And uh, to me, because everything's intentional, it was almost foreshadowing a, a dark – like he's reaching the end, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. It was quite beautiful and affecting as a piece of cinematography goes. And he has his really cool new dragon glass weapon yes. to have a – did he like melt and reforge dragon glass? Can you do that? Isn't dragon glass a rock? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's it's in the real world. It's volcanic rock, right? Trisha obsidian. Yeah, it's supposed to basically be obsidian. But yeah, they're forging new things out of it which all is, the time, which is kind of cool. It's probably really hard to do yeah. that. Yes, as he said, I think it's very hard to do this. I think Gendry said. So, how do you all feel about shipping Gendry and Arya? I've never bought that, uh, and for the first time, I kind of bought it. I kind of liked it. Yeah. I was like, oh, they, I mean, they have a shared history and a shared admiration, and he's not unattractive. No, and she's not Joe unimpressive. Very nice to look at, and so I could see that. I think too, it's interesting to see her interact with someone her age again because it's been a long time. Yeah, you know, she's been on her own for so long. Yeah, what do you think, TB? Uh, I think that. It's okay for there to be friendships in this show and that this last season doesn't have to be everybody getting coupled up. Yeah. I think that they're not 
actually going to have time to sort of pay off these things as sort of like oh yeah ro- relationships with a capital R. Sure. Um, and I also think that Arya is a psychopath. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that. Yeah. And one of the things that makes you a psychopath is you have no emotional connection to other human beings. Where she has been pushed, right? Because basically everybody who – her relationship to everybody in the world has been reduced to her list of people she wants to kill. So redemption arc – Maybe for her is to reestablish like emotional connections, which she had at least two major beats first with John and then with Gendry. And then also Sansa. I think, you know, that relationship is really she's the smartest. She says that she's the smartest person I've ever met, Mm -hmm. which is a remarkable. As John says, you just praised your sister. You never used to do Mm -hmm. that. It's interesting that Arya said that about Sansa and then Sansa said that about Tyrion. Yeah. That you used to be. You used to be the cleverest. Yes. Yes. Slightly different, but still kind of I don't know. It's interesting watching the evolution of like who who different characters are looking up to and how that changes over time right mm-hmm. there has been a strong sense going from last season that they want to establish sansa as the as the brains now mm-hmm. i mean back i mean back in or the last season or at least season. as her mother's daughter right right mm-hmm. like we have not had an adult who is not sort of just ridiculously obsessed with with honor like ned like catlin was necessary to ned yeah. and when they separated ned right. got his head chopped off right. Well, and I think, too, there's something about Sansa where, you know, initially it was all about the pretty dresses and looking nice and marrying a beautiful man. And it was like all of those sort of like superficial aspects of leading. And that has completely shifted. Right. right? And she's ended up in the same place that she said she wanted to all along. But But understanding what it really meant. But it's through a very strong, smart mechanism that I think just makes it so much more interesting because she realizes that it's not just about the pretty dresses. It's about actually leading. And it seems like she's doing that very well. So are they just trying to show us? Because also there's a lot of conversation Arya says in this season, she's the smartest person I've ever met. Last season, there were a bunch of bits of dialogue. She, you know, you're very good at this and showing her arranging things and people going, oh, that's very well arranged. So are they just saying, hey, everybody, Sansa's really smart now. We want you to know that. Or are they setting her up for something, possibly the Iron Throne. I mean, it does definitely seem like they're trying to set up a rivalry between Daenerys and Sansa, which I can't decide how bored, like how problematic that is. I I didn't say bored. I stopped myself midway through because there is the problem of like it's it's kind of an obvious rivalry, right? That should that could be unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like it's. It was, uh, I think her name is Anne Helen Peterson on Twitter this morning mentioned that like that is, it's such a storyline created by male showrunners that like these two women, women would not, would find each other automatically to be enemies as opposed to trying to come together. But I do think it's like an interesting storyline to see play out. I can see why there would be tension between them. Well, I, I think of it as a little bit more the last thing Sansa, I think, says to John in that scene is like, are you bending the knee for the North or for love? Yes. Right. Yes. And I think it's to me, it was less about let's set these women up as adversaries and more it's family versus an outsider. Right. I think it was maybe the New York Times recapper who last night this morning said it was like bringing your girlfriend home for Thanksgiving times 1000. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I think the question is, how is that going to change when John realizes that he's not as close to the Starks as he thought he was. There was too, a bit of dialogue right? about that with Arya. Yes, you know, uh, yeah. she says, uh, she says, uh, you're, you're so kind to your sister, and she's, and she says, I'm protecting my family, and yeah. he says, I'm family too. Yes, yeah, yeah. So definitely, she says, that's, don't forget that. Yes. Yeah. So, but now they're cousins, and yes. he's, you know, like he's as related to the Starks as he is the Targaryens. Both right. are family. Right. Yes. But she doesn't. Arya didn't know that at the time. 
Yeah, uh, it did make me wonder if Arya knew that. To me, time, the actually. tension that was being created that was even more interesting was the potential one between John and Danny. Oh, for they sure. They haven't expressed it, but yeah. there are like, you know, uh, Samwell has that great lines like, you gave up your crown for your people, would she do the same? Mm-hmm. And we all went, nope. Nope. Yes. <laughs> nope. Well, and that's in the Nobody crypt, and nope. that's with the realization, that's with Sam telling yes. John. I just skipped to the end. I'm that sorry. Well, no, I, it was the next scene. It was Sam telling John that he is, in fact, the rightful heir to the throne. Right. So um, what's going to happen now? I don't know. There was another moment I, fla- I, I sort of clocked. It was um, during the scene with Samwell where, where Jorah and Daenerys come in mm-hmm. to thank him, which – and John Bradley. I finally memorized his name, Trisha. John Bradley did a fan- <laughs> I earned it last night. <laughs> fantastic job of, of, of playing that scene where he finds about his, his father and then his brother and has two different emotional reactions to each piece of news. It was an amazing bit of acting. But there's a line where Daenerys says, well, when I take my crown, I will be certain to make sure that you, you know, we might need some changes at the Citadel. And if a character walks up and says, well, when I sit on the Iron Throne, I will do X, she's not going to sit on the Iron Throne. Yeah. It's just, I was just getting so many vibes like she is not going to have that ending. Well, and it, that was an interesting scene, too, just from the point of view of her thinking like, oh, I can just tell him I'll buy him nice things and that yeah. will win my allegiance to him before realizing like, oh, I destroyed your whole thing. She, yeah. If, if we're giving out medals for acting, Amelia Clark's face when he says, oh, yes, uh, Matarly. And she Oop. just – and she – yeah, it was Oop. all pretty well done. Also, I might be in need of a pardon. And in this world where literally <laughs> every horrible thing that could be done to another human being – Library finds. <laughs> Library finds. <laughs> it's nice. He cares about the rules. He does. I respect that very much. Well, and then it turns out with Bran sitting outside waiting for an old friend as he puts it. And then Did we you have either of you scene. very smart people see, think about that? Because I sure didn't. All this talk yeah. about what's going to happen, and it never occurred to me that Jamie and Bram were going to end up in the same place. I didn't. Pre- I didn't think about it ahead of time, but once I saw it, I was like, "Oh, Jamie's the old friend." Can we talk about the fact that even though it is not any kind of motorized, because there's no motorizing of anything yes. wheelchair, yes. there's never anyone nearby who we see as sort of Bran's mover around her. I, I know he's I, always just alone in and like and like yes. they're using it as a gag. It's I, clearly just there. Yeah, he just appears in a place. Yeah. You alone. don't think he was just sitting there for days. <laughs> and what happens again, I I don't know why I'm thinking about this so much, but what happens if Brand needs to use the restroom? Mm. I like to think that Brand can you have a lot of concerns. Actually. I like that you the do. problem well, you have I mean, about I'm all feeling, this. I'm feeling like is, Sansa. What about the sanitary a Starbucks concerns? Nearby. Yeah, you know what? Can there's we jingle that? Starbucks. I think it's a good jingle time. Many minutes has it been since Peter's mentioned Harvard. What a colossal tool. <laughs> that was uncalled for. All right. All right. Now, I have been getting grief from you guys, deservedly so. But I have decided that I am tired of vouching for my own self. So I, uh, I found some people who were willing to vouch for my, shall we say, authority when it comes to the show. Go. Hey, I'm David Benioff. And I'm Dan Weiss. We're the co-creators of Game of Thrones. One of the things you should know about Peter Sagal is everything he's ever told us about Game of Thrones is true. Yeah. And, and we really, we've learned a lot from him. Um, his emails, texts, direct messages, uh, the blog. This is sort of a, 
co-written the show. Yeah, yeah. Fair to say. So I think all of all of the best bits from it uh, are Peter's, and yeah. we've never credited him because he doesn't want credit. I think that's one of the great things Self, about him. Selfless, a selfless person. Doesn't want the money. Thank you, Peter, for being right always, all the time. Yeah, well, this is just for us to say thank you, Peter, it's a rare for gift. basically writing the show and casting it and uh, all the other stuff that producers do. Salute you. That is so deeply upsetting. <laughs> Every, every time I hear it, I just get so mad. I still think it's pretty great. You can also see it on video. Yeah, go to Peter's Twitter. Yeah, yeah I go was saving Twitter. that. If you want to confirm with video evidence what you just heard, it happened. Uh, it's real. It's very upsetting. We did come up with a couple of rebuttals wow. for you. If you are co-writer of the show, the secret uncredited executive producer then you have a lot of responsibility for all the things we haven't liked about the show all these many years. And and we're not the only ones who've been unhappy with some of the things that have happened to these characters. Even Hodor is mad that Hodor is dead. Peter Sagal. Peter Sagal? Peter Sagal. He is the worst. The worst. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, he he screwed up. He he, he screwed up my job. He screwed up all of our jobs. I would have survived if it wasn't for Peter Sagal. He's the worst, man. Clearly. It was Christian Nairn who played Hodor. They played that. (laughs) It was pretty fun to see the look on your face. You were pretty delighted. I I was, too. We should explain. Should we explain? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to go to L.A. for reasons, and I got to meet David and Dan, and I kind of – and it was fun, and they didn't really tell me anything very cool about Game of Thrones because I didn't want to be the nerd who pesters them with questions, but it was very, very fun. And I said, hey, would you guys do me a favor? And I kind of explained the whole thing, and they were, as you heard, game. And the noises you heard were the people emptying the garbage behind Musa and Frank's <laughs> restaurant in, L- in L.A. So, And so I sent this immediately because I couldn't resist to Trisha and uh, Greta, and they responded, as you might expect. Trisha was like, this is great. And Greta's like, I hate this. This is horrible. <laughs> And so in the three months since, they've been working on their vengeance. So tell me how you did it. Well, so, I mean, the first thing I did was text your wife. Yes. And I was she didn't tell me until weeks later. And I said, Mara, are you, do you happen to be in Los Angeles with Peter? Because he just sent us this very upsetting video. (laughs) And if you happen to be there, could you also corral the Game of Thrones showrunners and get them to record something along the lines of like, oh, my God, I can't believe Peter just forced us to do this. And she said, sorry, I'm not there. I'm in Chicago. I would if I could. Uh, but she I would have. So then Trisha and I just started brainstorming. And we had a lot of ideas. <laughs> and we're still working on some of them. Um, but I ended up writing a email to HBO asking them if they could help. Because, because the patriarchy, patriarchy can't win. Yes. Yeah. Is that how you and put it? Yes. Yes. We Subject line, the email. smash the patriarchy. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, yes. It was like, listen, Peter got to do this thing because patriarchy. <laughs> we need your help. And Weirdly, we got this amazing Hodor video. Yeah. It was pretty great. And, um, and then I went to North Carolina a couple weeks ago to interview Bill Nye. And we were in the green room ahead of time. Greetings, listeners. Uh, Bill Nye here. There's no way Peter is right as often as he says he is. Okay, that's scientifically impossible. So, yeah, I asked Bill if he could come up with something like that, and he was totally game. He was, although was he, was, he was in a very Bill Nye way kind of nice about it. Yeah, he did seem kind of <laughs> I know. 
Well, and it was funny to explain to him, too. I was like, listen, I just really need your help with the patriarchy. And he was like, I don't know. I'm an old white guy. And I was like, we'll take so it. So it's Just go with it. Exactly. Exactly. You're part of the problem. Help us out. <laughs> So we actually have some other uh, pieces of conversation from the event last night that we thought we would end our episode with. Yeah, and thanks to all the nerds who came out for the screening. It was really fun. And thanks to HBO. Yes, many thanks to HBO. So here were some of the best bits from our audience interaction where we asked people who we thought would take the Iron Throne and why. All right, so I have an unpopular opinion here, but I think finally on the Iron Throne we'll see Sansa. She has been trained in King's Landing, trained by... Peter Baelish, and she's the only one that has shown that she can rule effectively. I think that's a great opinion. That's, uh, it's all true. Well, I think that's partly what was so satisfying about this episode is that there was so much payoff that we weren't even sure that we would ever actually see, you know? Well, I mean, even John riding the dragon, it's something that we've talked about for so long, but to actually see it happen is just, like, so exciting and kind of surprising, you know? That moment between John and Arya, too, where John was expecting them to have this sort of buddy-buddy moment making fun of Sansa like they had when they were kids, and Arya was like, nah, bro, nah, yeah. So, like, Arya and Sansa are a pretty dynamic duo now. That's going to be cool to see. It's super cool. Other predictions? Hello. Hey. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I felt that the last two seasons were way too happy, in a way. Like, way too much uh, the good guys winning. And if any of the people I think are supposed to win are going to win, I will be upset. So... It can't be John. It can't be Daenerys. It can't be anybody. I don't know. If 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 everybody dies, that's pretty much what I'm expecting. And nobody. If, so the answer if, being nobody. If no it's one. if it's if it's John or Daenerys, it's like a happy ending and a regular uh, regular action movie in a way. And that's not how the the show's been going, in yeah. my opinion. I like that somebody in the nearly front row shouted "democracy" as the end. <laughs> that would be nice. Would you like to explain more of what yeah, you yeah, think yeah. democracy there could look go. like in the Seven Kingdoms? Because I've been thinking about this a lot. Because <laughs> if we're really going to break the wheel, I don't yeah. want a monarch of any kind. Yeah. Everybody will have a vote. They'll, they'll a vote. get out. They'll have a chance to plead their case, and people will rule. So who do you think is going to win the election? <laughs> there are a lot of candidates. A third-party candidate that we haven't seen yet. Okay, okay. I like it. Oh my god. There better not be. Such a great there better question. Not. The Electoral College hands it to the Night King. <laughs> uh, Danny mentioned a long time ago about breaking the wheel, so I have to echo that. I think she's going to completely dismantle the entire monarchy and she's going to start leading, I don't know, like a coalition of the willing of living people. I Coalition like of the living. Theory. That's nice. My problem with that is that she doesn't act like she's actually a benevolent ruler. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I can't picture her actually giving up power. No, no. She's that uh, she burned the Tarleys. Right. Yeah. Like but, that reminder, I think, was pretty important. And and it's interesting that there's this whole plot point about um, uh, John being the, the legitimate heir to the throne, and you're the king. And this is a show, uh, and this comes, I think, directly from George R. R. Martin, that is always questioning. What makes a person a king? You know, Robert wasn't, you know, what made, remember that famous conversation, what is your claim to the throne, says Stannis to Renly, and Renly says, that army. So this is not a show in which people should, are always expected to 
like act that way. Like, mm-hmm. oh yes, you have to be the king. We have to bow down. Mm-hmm. So who knows who's going to end up there? There have been uh, good rulers and bad rulers, but has there been a sex, uh, crazy sex pirate ruler? You're on Greyjoy, <laughs> 2019. So you're crazy on sex the pirate. Iron throne. So you're, you're hey, voting for Euron. Did, speaking of the crazy sex pirate, did anybody find themselves weirdly kind of liking Euron? I mean, I mean, it's it's like what uh, what Cersei says. You're the most arrogant man I've ever met. I kind of like that, and I'm thinking, so do I. Patriarchy speaking, so ladies be quiet. Peter Sagal is the worst. I do think it's weird how attractive I find Euron to be. I will say that. Take back that jingle. No, it's fine. Uh, the jingle can in reverse. <laughs> Who else? Um, we, got, we have another we got one. somebody here. Given how often George R. R. Martin likes to sort of rip the rug out from everyone, I'm thinking it might be nobody's on the throne, an asteroid comes, and everyone dies. Listen. It's possible. George R. R. Martin is an interesting character. He wrote a book once that had, like, time travel and cats in it and, like, stuff, you know? I'm just saying. Yep. Somebody has read Tough Voyaging out there. Well, and we haven't seen a lot of cats. I'm... I'm I- wondering if the battle is until episode three, which is, I think, what we know, that the giant mm-hmm. night battle is three, mm-hmm. are we going to see some more sort of brand flashbacks or backwards in time stuff? As a huge Doctor Who fan, I am open to more time travel or flashback, but I don't know. Like, Because they wrapped up an awful lot in, in episode one. We've got yeah. a whole nother one. And if the, the army of the dead is somewhere between the wall and Winterfell, how long does that take to walk? What? Can somebody Google Maps that for us? <laughs> Man, does that exist? I feel like that it might better. exist. Yeah. In regard to George R. R. Martin, um, when I met Benioff and Weiss, I tried not to be an obnoxious geek and pepper them with questions. But the one thing I did, I asked him a couple things, and one of them is I said, George R. R. Martin has always said he knows how this ends. And I'm not going to ask you guys if what the ending is in your TV show, but is it the same as George R. R. Martin's? And they said, we can't tell you, um, which is annoying. But, uh, but I, I, they, they did tell me, I mean, they've been following his, his path, but they've had to fill in a lot of stuff. For example, they told me that George R. R. Martin said, oh yeah, so Hodor, that whole thing, he dies because he has to hold a door and his whole name is like Holdor. It has something to do with time travel and mind control, but I haven't worked it out, they said to Benioff and Weiss. So Benioff huh. and Weiss went, Okay, how's that going to work? And they had to work it all out from two seasons ago. So presumably it's the same, I'm guessing it's the same thing that George R. R. Martin said, it ends with X happening. I haven't figured out how to get there. there, So Benioff and Weiss had to figure it out themselves. Over here. I I don't know who it's going to be, but I know they're going to be miserable. It is really like... (laughs) Where I feel on it, like it could be John, it could be Danny, but it won't be John and Danny, and they'll be like really sad about it. Like is, somebody's gonna have to make a hard choice. I still think it could be Tyrion. Um, but sad on, Tyrion. Could, every, could everybody admire my friend Jesse's <laughs> fabulous Cersei cosplay? Stop it. Hey. Uh, all right, I'll stand up and spin. You got me. Uh, She's got the epaulets, people. <laughs> you just, however, you just brought up. Another interesting question is John is John and or Danny gonna die? Is yeah. this conflict being set up right now end in one of their deaths? He's already die, dead. Die, die again. Die again. Oh, one more prediction. I just don't think we should count out Bran. 
Yeah. I'm sorry, you don't think we should count out Bran as a contender for the throne? Yeah. And like, look at him. Didn't he look into the eye of the dragon? But, but hasn't Bran, like everything he says, including that pretty funny line, uh, you're a man now, almost. Almost. <laughs> That's good. Um, his whole thing since he came back from the north has been, I am not of you. I yeah, am I not like part of your world. I am in a exempt. different place. Yeah. You can find us online at wbez.org slash thrones. And hey, we have a great newsletter that's coming out Monday afternoons to to coincide with the recaps going on the interwebs. You can sign up for it at wbez.org slash nerdsletter. We're at Nerdette Podcast on Twitter. Peter Sagel is at Peter Sagel. And you can use the hashtag Nerdette Recaps. Many thanks to Fish DeShomberg, who left us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. This show is produced by us with Justin Bull. Justin. Yay, Justin. Justin, our executive producer is Brendan Banizak, and our theme music was composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. See you guys next week. Oh my gosh. There's only five left. I know. I know. I feel both really great about this, that we're back here doing this again. It's my favorite thing to do, and kind of sad. We only get to do it five more times. I'm also just nervous people are going to start dying, because nobody really dies. Oh, they're going to start start dying. dying. Oh, they're doomed. (laughs) Should we do like a death pool or something? Like, Nobody cares, but it never really stops him. His feet are still fucking talking. I wasn't even talking, Justin. Justin, did you accidentally click that? Is that what happened? You just decided to go for it? I feel like we, we haven't had a lot of uh, jingles played at Peter this episode. so We, we played so well many in the live so, so what you're telling me is if I actually behave nicely and don't mansplain or patriarch at these women, I still – it doesn't matter. I still get them. Got to give the people what they want. <laughs> Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.